Hello there and welcome back to the Chat Shit Get Fit, the fitness news where we unpack the week's biggest news in health and fitness. I'm Bill and as always I'm joined by Tom. Hello there. This week we take a closer look at are half reps superior to full range of motion when building muscle, creatine for runners and daily steps to prevent muscle loss, specifically sarcopenia. Let's get into this week's The Fitness News. Bow, 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 bow. I do that every week. I might just include, what the fuck is going on? Can you hear that? Is that a helicopter? Are they doing fucking roadworks at 7 o'clock? That's a helicopter, isn't it? Well, I do live near Sandringham, to be fair. They just landed a helicopter outside of a fucking flat. That, that, it, that stopped very suspiciously, like, it got loud. Yeah. And it just stopped. <laughs> you better check your roof. I oh, know, yeah. Fucking Charles just pops out. Yeah. boys. Yeah, like when you used to kick your ball into neighbour's backyard, you'd be like, excuse yeah. me, can you get a ball? Just check your roof, Bill. <laughs> yeah, check the roof, yeah. <laughs> excuse me. Yeah, that was well weird, that. Can you get your helicopter off? Let's keep an eye on that. Never mind. Anyway, I, I know. I have to say, though, I'm a bit disappointed, mate. Because uh, I did my whole hello there spiel. Yeah. And bearing in mind what day it is today that we're recording this, you know. Ah, oh, may the fourth be with you. Exactly. Fuck. I know. You missed on, out stand there. Stand by. Stand by. I'm going to edit in some magical music right about now. May the fourth be with you. What a good day! You know, let's fuck the let's fuck the entire podcast off. Let's just let's just break down. Let's do an analysis on each each Star Wars. Oh, film. mate, we ain't got long <laughs> enough in the day. <laughs> One, we ain't got oh, long yeah, enough in the day. God, yeah. Right. What? Okay. Look, critical oh. thinking. What the? F- it's it's starting again. <laughs> I'm getting attacked. It's, by it's, the, it's the Millennium it's, Falcon. It's a gunship, mate. <laughs> it's a fucking gun, it's a separatist gunship. I'm getting attacked. I mean, uh, don't sound right, mate. I don't sound right at all. That is definitely a helicopter. This is just selfish. Do they not know the fucking chat shit get fit podcast gets recorded in this building every fucking Thursday? And they're well, a fucking very angry washing machine. Now, nah, if it's a washing machine, I can normally feel that. But on this topic we are talking about with Star Wars, what is your stance on Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith? Oh, Revenge of the Sith is an absolute banger. I'll have no one tell me otherwise. <laughs> that is like an, mm. that is one of the best ones. That Just because it brings a story, doesn't it? It gets Darth Vader. You see his true... Reveal. You see, I think there's a bit of revisionism going on here because, you know, I was around when those films came out in the cinema. Yeah, yeah. And um, Phantom Menace, not the original yeah. ones. I'm not that old. Yeah, Phantom And uh, <laughs> when they first came out, you know, they were slaughtered because yeah, we were comparing destroyed. them to A New Hope, Empire mm. Strikes Back, yeah. you know, uh, Return of the Jedi as well. So, you know, we was comparing them to that. But I think in hindsight, considering what has happened to the Star Wars movie-verse, in the past, what, like, seven years, at least it ain't as fucking bad as things like the, the new ones. Well, at least had a fucking, at least had a coherent storyline that was actually planned out from one to three instead of them just going yeah, rogue exactly. every fucking... Pardon the pun there, obviously, Rogue One. But um, to be fair, though, they weren't... Like, Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, fuck me, they did go on a bit. Yeah, I mean, look, I want to put it this way. Uh, I went I went to see Phantom Menace in the cinema when it first came out with my school friend. Yeah. And very shortly after that, well, I say very shortly, a couple of years after that, that very same friend ended up on a terror watch list and was arrested for, <laughs> for so threatening gonna... for threatening to assassinate Tony Blair. Now I'm not going to correlate the two. <laughs> I don't think it was Tony Blair's fault that the Phantom Menace it, existed. It's George Lucas's fault. <laughs> but honestly, that's a true story. <laughs> I'll Did give you his name afterwards. You can Google him. That's fucking mad. That 
Yeah. God, I know people didn't like Jar Jar Binks, but fucking hell. I know, but it, it, it's, it's a it's a correlation that I think I could make. Yeah, correlation. It did, it, you know, the 90s, that, that sent people over the edge in the 90s. Anyway, <laughs> let's let's move on <laughs> to the actual podcast. Let's move on. Um, if you came here to listen to a evidence-based fitness news show, um, we do apologise, but it's May the 4th. And hopefully you appreciate that. If you don't appreciate that, please turn off. You're not welcome here. Yeah. We love Star Wars. This is the way. This is the oh, Look at that. There Smooth operator. Wasn't even planned that. Right. Half reps. Let's talk about first piece of news then. So we have got half a reps. recent amazing... No, what? I was going to say half reps. This is the way, but I'm just going to stop. Just gonna stop. Enough right, of that. Okay. Enough of that. Enough of that. Enough of that. Right, let's get into some science. So we've got a recent major analysis, and it is titled Partial versus Full Range of Motion Resistance Training, a systematic review and major analysis. And then we've got another study, which is another recent one, um, and that is greater gastrocnemius muscle hypertrophy after partial range of motion training performed at long muscle lengths. Now I emphasize long there because that's quite an important bit of context yeah. as we're going to go into. So um I think we should probably start by establishing what we mean by half reps because there's gonna be there's gonna be different context depending on who you talk to and what situation it's in. Um I mean the obvious one I would come from in my experience is CrossFit because it's thrown around a lot of all yeah. half reps. It's cheating basically because I'm getting I'm getting fucking annoyed with this helicopter, I swear to God. This is just outrageous. Are they trying to jump start it on your street? I think they're fucking. They decided. Oh, you know, what, I'm, seven hold on. What? One second. Oh fucking hell! What? It's not you as well. Oh. <laughs> now I've got some gypsies knocking on the door for him to do the drives. <laughs> you see. <laughs> I've got someone actually doing my drive outside, mate. Maybe they're <laughs> <laughs> the same family, is it? Oh, and they've just drove off. This is going to be the story of this later, podcast. Just in right, case. I apologise. I'm not even going to try and edit it out because there's no point. Guys, you're going to have to embrace me getting attacked by fucking Gungan gunships. What the fuck is going on tonight? I don't know. First, the internet was going to have them packing in. Just to explain why the internet's packed in, they've drilled straight through the fucking cables. <laughs> yeah. Trying to install the driveway, just gone fucking rogue straight down. Right, anyway. But, yeah, sorry. As I was saying... In. CrossFit, half reps. That is a very common, when people think of half reps in my world, it is, oh, okay, you're doing a workout with squats in, people don't go to full range of motion. Um, you know, or they do a chin up, they don't get their chin above the bar, they only get just below, so it's a half rep. That's what's normally called by that. Some will also think that it's cheating regardless of the context. So if you like, even forget the CrossFit context, if, like, if you haven't done full range of motion, squats is the most common one you'll see on YouTube of people not going to full depth. They'll say it's cheating. They'll say it doesn't count, it's irrelevant, it's not a proper rep, whatever you've done on the bar it doesn't count. There's a lot of kind of like uh, context... The <laughs> Sorry, these fucking gypsies. What are they doing now? <laughs> what do you mean? What are they doing? Are they doing half reps? Are they proper shifty, half repping the fucking tarmac drive? Um, <laughs> so yeah, it does depend on the context. So for example, I could think of it in the sense of what about like a competition, like a powerlifting competition. Oh yeah, because people sometimes say that bench the bench. They'll say that oh, it's a half rep, even though it's the standard. Yeah. But yeah, I get what you mean. So people that might have like an extremely dramatic arch, people might say oh, that's just a half rep technically. Or squatting, where you're not actually going down with your, you know, de- decrease of your hips going below the knee. Can anyone read half rep a deadlift? I suppose so, if you don't lock out. Yeah, if you don't but put your hips at the top, yeah. That's me looking at it from like a competition level, where like there's a yeah. certain standard to do. But then there's also half rep in the sense of like 
Well, what about for things like hypertrophy and stuff like that? Mm. Because you've got, um, without mentioning certain people's names or their brand or company, there's certain companies that kind of pride themselves on like doing full range of motion. Yeah, okay. And that basically it's, you know, you either do full range of motion or there's no point whatsoever. The arse to grass wizards of the world. Yeah, yeah exactly. Or, or same with like the bicep curls as well. Everything's yeah, got yeah. to be full range of motion. And we, then you look at like these like optimal bros where it's like, oh no, you you need to be doing this lap pull down from this angle because it's optimal because you get that extra fucking half yeah. centimetre contraction from your rectum. I don't know. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so... Yeah. Um, lot, we, we have spoken before, haven't we, in regards to half reps, how they do have their place. Yeah, they do have their place, yeah. Um, that was more of a, with um, this new research. Yeah, I mean, when we looked at it before, it was more of a case of if people were unable to get to certain depths because of mo- mobility issues or injury issues, it was more of like yeah. a, a place of empathy as opposed to people just saying, oh, you're fucking shit, you're doing half reps, when there could be an actual reason for it. But now we're looking at it in more of an actual, is there actually an application where it's actually better? In terms of yeah. outcomes, like actual physical outcomes, which that's is- the thing that depends on what the actual outcome is in the context. In that sense, but um, I mean, I, I have been surprised by the research we've read in regards to this. Admittedly. When we talk about the research, the context of half reps in research, they obviously don't call it. They don't in a paper. They don't call it a half rep. All right, that's not that's not the terminology they choose to use. They will normally do it as in a comparison of full range of motion. They'll do initial partial range, which will be the bottom half of the range. Um, so, like I said, the bottom part of a bicep curl, and then they'll do the final partial range so that'd be the top bit as you squeeze your um, arm in to f- complete the bicep curl okay that would be the final partial range group um, so they'd always split it between them because this also reminded me of something from well back in my PT days so matrix. we have different kind of method do you call it matrix, matrix? yeah uh, matrix it is it's matrix isn't it either matrix or 21s yeah I think that's the same thing isn't it either way it's just it's really stupid but it's basically or, or, or like is it three of each don't you yeah matrix 21s it's called so you do the same exercise but you do it yeah. in different ranges of motion and it's like well actually you might actually be getting benefit from one of those mm. half reps depending yeah. on what angle it's on and maybe not as much from the other well, according to Origin, Thomas, it's a advanced training system. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, well, according to Act, uh, Future Fit... Oh, fuck, I can't mention... No, I didn't say anything. I didn't mention any companies. Why'd you work for them? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. No, it's just that I know what fucking people are like for libel and no, slander. Yeah, fair enough, yeah. But no, there are courses out there So yeah, these are advanced training systems. I did do a advanced resistance training course, and it was basically... You fucking operator. So, and I know, I know, but listen, so this is a superset. And that was basically their idea of advanced resistance training. Fuck's sake. Classic. I know. Buzzwords, isn't it? Literally any right. gym bro can show you. <laughs> anyway, so if we go on to the actual research then, so this is the actual stuff that matters. Um, we've now, we've, we've pulled in this, this second new study because obviously we've got the big meta-analysis, but we've pulled in this other one, which is a bit small. And the reason we've done that is because some will say that full range of motion training is generally superior to partial range. So it's superior to half reps. hypertrophy. Um, yeah, for hypertrophy. Um, but they say it's not because of the greater range of motion. So not because you're going through that full range of motion per se. It's because rather the full range training includes training at long muscle lengths. Okay, because they're including that. That's what's that's what's um, eliciting that increased hypertrophy. Because when you do partials, they often exclude training at long muscle lengths. And we're going to look mm-hmm. at the data a bit more. But basically, generally, like spoiler alert, basically, generally, long muscle length training tends to um, have improved uh, results when it comes to hypertrophy okay um so that's why it's important if i give you an example though because you're probably thinking what the fuck does long muscle length even mean so 
if we use a little buzzword, bitricular muscle. So that basically means crossing over two joints. Mm. Um, an example, a clear one with hamstrings. So it basically allows you to manipulate multiple joints to change the length that the muscle is trained at. Two examples would be seated leg curl and lying leg curl. Right, so the seated, seated ones, obviously, in your little, your little chair, you're holding your little handles by your side. You put your legs in the little machine thing and you just curl your leg up and down. Yeah. Um, so obviously do that. Or you lay on the front and you curl from behind you instead. And funny enough, there was actually a research paper on prone, ver- no, sorry, yeah, lay, lying versus yeah. seated hamstring curls. They did find that the seated yeah. actually gained more hypertrophy, yeah, which makes long sense because of the, the long muscle the, length. The long muscle yeah. length. Uh, other examples were like, even if you look at something as simple as a bicep curl, Fuck yeah, they've got a cement mixer out now. <laughs> Fucking hell, mate. What's going on? I'm, I feel like I'm under attack. I feel like I'm under siege. Fucking hell. Are you filming from Ukraine? <laughs> from Ukraine? Yeah, I popped over last night, mate. But yeah, like um, <laughs> like if you think of like a, a, a dumb a bicep curl, like when you bring your arms to that very bottom position and you can feel your biceps have stretched out. So that would be kind of like another example. So as I said, the reason we've got this new study in is because it does look at half reps, as, a, as we're calling it, at long muscle length, which is really important because it says previously it's not been done as much. Okay, um, if we do, re- if we rewind to the initial meta analysis we mentioned, because that's obviously important to look at, uh, this did involve twenty seven studies, um, and something they stressed is that, um, well, I think we can agree on this as well, Tom, is that range of motion is not a binary decision. Um, and the reason for that is that different ranges of motion are going to be appropriate for different circumstances and goals, aren't yeah. they? To just say that one is superior for everything, I think is a bit naive. Okay, so they even stress that it's not a binary decision, right? Um, I'll read out some bits from their conclusion, and then there's another point which I think does link really well onto this new study, which we'll look at. So um, I'll just basically read out this conclusion for you. So it appears that there may be small differences in outcomes depending on exactly how range of motion was manipulated. Example, short versus long muscle lengths for regional hypertrophy. So coaches slash athletes may wish to adopt the range of motion strategy most appropriate to their goals. The principle of specificity likely also applies to range of motion such that training should usually replicate the range of motion of the outcome of interest. While using a full range of motion approach may be a good default approach, overall, these results suggest that a variety of range of motions can be used to good effect, whether that be due to injury management or personal preference. So um, we'll explain a few points there to give you a bit, bit of context. So I think the principle of specificity is quite relevant to what we mentioned earlier about the, for example, powerlifting with the bench press. Yeah. Um, if you're going to that standard where they have that it's still a good range of motion, but it's reduced to what some people might call a full bench press. However, the principle of specificity, why would you train outside of that range of motion if that's what you have to do to compete in your powerlifting sport? Do you know what I mean? So exactly that. If it's for performance, mm. like exactly what they concluded there, I, I, I agree with 100%. Mm. You know, if it's for performance and you have a very specific movement you are training for, Hmm. then you probably want to be training that movement for its full range of motion. Because at the end of the day, like if you think about things like the bench press or, you know, the squat or even the deadlift as well, even if we just take away, let's just move away from hypertrophy for a second, even just moving away from strength itself as well. Just general training. Those movements are a skill to do. It's a skill. And like any skill to get better, you need to actually do it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how does a boxer get better? You might get these trainers that have them fucking slamming tires against walls and stuff like that, but the best way a boxer is going to get good at punching is by, believe it or not, punching, sparring. You know, if your goal is to climb a wall, 
whether it be like a tough mudder or it's an assault course or even like bouldering. If you're doing something like bouldering, you probably want to be doing that very specific movement. Can you supplement with other exercises? Yeah, sure. And maybe half reps might be able to help you. But to be honest with you, in, in, in those terms, you probably want to actually train for the actual movement itself. Basically, what I'd say is look for that, if you look at what you want to achieve and if that requires you to go for a certain range of motion, just work within that range of motion. But what they did say yeah. was, because I think there's a more gen pop advice, is that they said that full range of motion may be a good default approach. So if, it's, yeah. if you're just stepping into the gym, you might want to just basically aim to get full range of motion. All right. Yeah. Um, that's if you're just basically, there's no real specificity really there it's kind of you're just training and the thing as well is if you are doing these kind of um big movements like the squat and everything else etc you know you're training those motor patterns yeah and the mm -hmm. way you train those is to once again actually perform the movement you want to be getting good good at yeah it's it, it's it's literally practice will make perfect mm -hmm. but that is in the context of performing the actual movement or the skill itself but what about, well, actually, my goal is just to build muscle. Mm, That's where it kind of gets thrown in its head a little yeah. bit more. So I did say there was a bit they, there was a point they made which links quite nicely, and that's because they also highlight in the study how effective partial range of motion is on long muscle lengths, right? So mm. we'll move on now to that second study we mentioned. Yeah. Um, and interestingly, it is only the fourth study to specifically compare the hypertrophy effects of longer muscle length partial mm. range of motion training to full range of motion training. Um, Exciting times. The, the only one thing is they're all quite different, so it makes it quite hard to be conclusive. <laughs> it's mm. a bit frustrating. They're not like they're not like replications of each other. They are very different papers. Um, mm. Okay, so uh, but we still obviously can still look at them as individuals. So if we look at this uh, this new one. They got 42 untrained women and they were randomized into three training groups. So they had a full range of motion group, an initial partial range, and a final partial range. Um, they got them doing this for eight weeks and they did... That's like a fucking... Someone's letting off a burst round. Someone's on the ranges. That is. <laughs> Mate, I'm actually under attack. I feel like my flat is under siege. That that sounds like support fire. Yeah, support fire. Mate, do you reckon, do you reckon if I actually look at windows, we're just kicking off as like helicopters people just fucking, <laughs> it's not an absolute war zone. I'm just sitting there yeah. recording a podcast. <laughs> do you know the, um, you know the Pedro Pascal meme when he's eating his sandwich? That'd be me. Yeah, you're when just it, When there. it's World War Three kicking off outside, you're <laughs> you found a sandwich. You've got just fucking like, banners going through your window and all sorts. You're just living your best life. Yeah, living best life, mate. <laughs> Chat and shit. Anyway, as a... Mate... Hang on, let me just look outside my little window there. Bear, bear with me. <laughs> <laughs> Kick it off, mate. Alright, that is fucking suspicious. Someone's getting brassed up. This is where I've swatted you as a joke. Fucking hell. What is it? Well, there's a load of vans outside. Hang on, when you say vans, yeah, these well, vans? I can't give too much away, mate. I've been told to go back inside. That's all <laughs> I'm saying. Hush, hush. Mate, I was going right. to say, it'd be funny if it was just because like, someone swatted us. Well, yeah, you I know, yeah. Do you imagine that? Actually yeah. swatted. They've actually let out the rest of the flat, and I'm just, I'm just safe there. have <laughs> got the wrong, wrong got address. got the wrong door number. <laughs> yeah, wrong door. <laughs> I can lit my neighbour up. Right, anyway. <laughs> As I was saying, so they were doing this training for f for eight weeks and they performed three times 15 to 20 calf raises, three times weekly. Okay, so for eight weeks, three times weekly, they did three sets of 15 to 20 calf raises. 
right? Obviously, a different range of motion, okay? Kind of like that matrix slash 21 training we was talking about. Basically, while previous, so the, basically the previous meta analytic data we looked at suggests that long muscle length partials might provide a small benefit over the full range of motion. So the meta analysis did show there was some benefit. This one does indicate a larger effect after that eight-week period, which is quite exciting. Essentially, I think, I'll just echo kind of what we said earlier if we just kind of conclude this whole piece, is that... I think a good default approach is full range of motion, just for general people listening. Unless you've got a specific reason you can identify that requires you not to, like that basically would make more sense for you. Or there's a context such as injury management or, I don't know, I said you've got a specific reason why you only want to go to a half depth of a squat or you only want to do half a bicep curl or something. But if you want to be super, like if you are a, I don't know, a bodybuilding athlete, the data to say, especially at long muscle lengths, potentially half rep could be superior. Hmm. I mean, that last study in regards to the calf or the gastrocnemius, ne- the gastrocnemius, sorry. Oh, God. Look at oh, can, I, I know. Say calf getting tongue twisted. Sake. The calf. Get, get We're not going to be those kind of boffins. Let's say calf. Oh, yeah. But the most surprising thing for me was actually how the partial range in the lengthened position actually outperformed the full ROM. That's what I'm portion. saying. Yeah, that was, that's what I'm saying. This actually was such a larger effect. Like the main analysis showed that there was benefit, but this this study was like, oh, fucking hell, it's actually so a lot I'm, more than Even though thought. this is like an individual study. Yeah, individual. As an individual study, it is still interesting to kind of see. I mean, the difference was dramatic as well. So the initial range is, spend mind, this is a calf raise. So this is where like you're already kind of like in a half tiptoe position. Yeah. And then you're just getting that little extra contraction at the top. That was only like, God, what was it? It was a... Uh, 3.4 uh, to 6.2% yeah. increase. Yeah, it's very specific angles. Yeah. Like, yeah. The full range was 6.7 to 7.3. Mm. But then the in the lengthened position, the half rep had like 15.2 to 14.9%, which is fucking extremely dramatic in how much it was. So I, I'm, I'm going to agree with you, though. This is still relatively new evidence. It is promising. It I mean, is promising. It reinforces the what the it, it reinforces what the other studies were showing. In the context in of, of hypertrophy, that is, though. I just want to clarify that. Um, I'll say for now, I'd probably rather prefer full ROM. However, I don't think it has to necessarily be a dichotomy in terms of like, well, is it either going to be full ROM or is it going to be half? Why not both? So I was having a discussion with my client about this uh, after I kind of read this and... Um, my discussion was like, well, let's say that you're taking your accessory exercises to failure. Mm. Let's say you're doing bicep curls. You're doing some form of isolation exercise where you are taking it to failure. Now, some people might think, okay, failure for me is going to be when I can no longer bring the dumbbells. Let's say bicep curl, yeah? Let's use bicep curl because it's a nice, easy bro exercise that everyone understands. I'm going to end the exercise when I can no longer bring the dumbbells up to my shoulders, let's say, mm. you know, full ROM. If I can't get it up to my shoulders anymore, then what's the point? I'm going to stop it there. Okay, so that's your RP10 when you can no longer get it up to your shoulders. But actually, if we're still going to benefit out of these half reps as long as we are in training from a lengthened muscle, then perhaps actually I can squeeze out a good few more reps, even if I'm starting off full ROM, but in my last couple of reps, I'm only able to do half reps, but I've still performed them from that lengthened position. And Do you, you know see what? what I mean? That could be the difference between someone breaking through a plateau. It can be. 
Mm. It can be in, in regards to hypertrophy. Yeah, yeah, for people who like... But do you see what I mean? Yeah. So you might think, fuck it, I'm going to stop it now because I can no longer perform the full range of motion. What's the point? I'm not getting any benefit out of these half reps anymore. Actually, it might not be the case. We yeah. just have to see what the kind of uh, evidence says in the future in regards to this. But it's exciting to see. I've definitely changed my mind on it. Yeah, because I mean, it's one of those, isn't it, where people just constantly will say half reps, what's the fucking point? Like, there's no relevant application at all for it. Whereas yeah. we are seeing more and more now. If we move away from obviously the obvious ones of like, if you can't physically do it because of an injury or mobility issue, there's actually performance outcomes now where it could actually make sense. So, yeah, so. that's that's where my mind has been kind of changed on it a lot. Because I was just sort of from the point of view that, oh, half reps might have a use in terms of if you're training around injury specialist populations, or pain yeah. or, yeah, specialist populations. But now, actually, there might be an application for the general population those that have interest in hypertrophy Guys, we'll move on to the next piece of news, and that is creatine for runners or endurance athletes. I just feel runners is more of a buzzword, isn't it? That's better. People yeah. look at that and get, get excited, don't they? Um, so look, we and I'm sure, you know many others have banged on about creatine many a time. It comes up lots and lots. Now it's because it's a very research supplement and people do get hard-ons over it. I think everyone can sort of conclusively say it's an absolute no-brainer for resistance training. Um, and if you want mm. to improve intense, short-duration performance, um, so things like CrossFit, you know, especially would be really good for it. However, when we look at endurance performance, the effects, I would say, are less known. There's not yeah. as much on it. Okay, so this is where this new study comes in, um, which I did forget to link. That's okay, Bill. I've got, got title, it now. Do you want to give me the title, Tom? Give me the title. Yeah, it's creating supplementation and endurance performance, surges and sprints to win the race by Forbes oh, and the game. It's a very fun, it's a very fun title, isn't it? Surges and sprints is. to win the race. Surges and sprints to win the race. Bear me, I'm just going to hold on, just got another another onslaught, hold on, another another wave of invaders. Just gonna just fight them off and then we'll There you go. I'm actually, mate, the building's front. actually shaking. I'm actually the building's actually shaking. <laughs> I've no idea what the fuck they're doing. They're not even like they're not even on the building. They're like next door. They're getting like a conservatory planted or something. It sounds more muffled. You might end up having weirder neighbours than me. They might be putting bodies under the ground, under the patio. It would be quite exciting though if I walked out and then it was just like a fucking full on war zone. That'd be quite exciting. Oh mate, I, I, I wouldn't be able to handle that. I just go back inside. Get, get me a kettle get red on. belt and white vest on. <laughs> yeah <laughs> start dishing up that piece <laughs> alright everyone <laughs> yeah, everyone fucking hell listen in <laughs> <laughs> listen in <laughs> Jesus Christ there's a few people who just thrown up in their mouth there hearing that um, oh. right, let, me, let me move oh. on so <laughs> you see a stretcher an empty stretch and you're like oh f- <laughs> Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Funny enough, stretches endurance, isn't it? That could, let's talk about that. endurance or creatine, eh? This could be very relevant, Morning actually. fucking creatine for <laughs> Yeah. Right. So Tom mentioned the uh, the study name there. So basically what this study looked at was, they looked at endurance training, okay? And they defined that as a large muscle mass, uh, large muscle mass activities that are cyclical in nature and are three minutes or over in duration, okay? So that was their definition of endurance training. Basically anything over three minutes, that was essentially steady. Yeah, right? which is good because... You know, what we've kind of seen creatine has kind of been well below that kind of... Yeah, well, but yeah, creatine is a very yeah. short burst of stuff, isn't it? Like Short and sharp. Max lift, clean and jerk, whatever, you know, anything yeah. along those sort of lines. Hey, well, I don't know if I'm going to start calling my three-minute rows endurance, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so what we'll do is we'll look at the potential mechanisms of this creatine supplementation um, that could potentially influence endurance performance, and that's according to this paper, right? So they did go through a few. Um, there is quite a few. I think it's probably best we just mention a couple of notes that'll make sense to most because some of them which are very technical, which mean absolutely. I mean, even when I was reading, it, I was like, "This is boring." So if I think it's 
yeah, you're not going to be very interested. So I think the, the the ones that you will be able to resonate with, so if you, if you want to call it that, is glycogen storage. So basically, they were saying that there's an increase in muscle glycogen after loading with creatine. So they said that could potentially be one mechanism for helping with endurance. And another one was post-exercise recovery slash anti-inflammatory. Okay, so if you've ever taken creatine before, some people do notice that they can recover better. So where they would normally get um, more increased feelings of perceived soreness after taking creatine, after a certain amount of time, they start to think, well, actually, you know, I'm actually recovering really well after my workouts than usual. It doesn't mean your workout's less effective, it just means you're recovering quicker. So when we look at these mechanisms, they're not, so they're not, so the paper didn't get people and definitely say, oh, it's because of their glycogen storage that they are fucking better. They were just looking at potential mechanisms to why creating supplementation could help with endurance runners, all right? So what we need to do then look at is we need to start looking at the actual data on performance outcomes because that's that's the important thing. I mean, mechanistic data is obviously very important, but unless you get real outcome data, sometimes it's very hard to be, you know, conclusive on it, right? Yeah. So, um, but this does appear a bit more mixed um, from what I could see. But there was also an interesting point before we move on to some other stuff. I think, it's, it's, I don't know what you think about this, Tom, is that they made the, the uh, suggestion that there's an increased mass after creatine supplementation. So they said that could be detrimental to weight-dependent sports, such as running, where you want to be light as possible, or like biking. So they're basically... <laughs> but that, to me, that's given the impression that creatine is like a steroid and it's going to fucking turn you <laughs> into an incredible Hulk after like three um, days. I mean, like, is it a big enough effect to really... I don't think so. Well, have an effect... Yeah, you know. Plus, they'd have to see, look at the on a dram- reward. Like, they'd have to see the comparison. Like, yeah. is it actually, while well, you put this mass on, let's say muscle, but is that not helping you potentially? Maybe in other areas, I don't. I don't know. But I, I think the, the way they were trying, they weren't looking at it as more muscle. I think the way they were looking at it was the old legacy thought of you take creatine, you suddenly put on fifteen kilos of water weight. Yeah, unless you are putting on that amount of weight, then yeah, I, yeah. it's not something I would really. Because obviously, when, even when we look at creatine, obviously about- it does. There is obviously water in the muscle. That, that, that is part of the mechanism of it. Like obviously, it gets drawn to the muscles, but that, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to put kilos of water on. There's not like kilos of water getting siphoned into your biceps. <laughs> That's not how it works. It's not yeah, like I did that. think it was strange that it was even mentioned. Or even yeah, I, just, I, just, I thought I'd mention it, but it's kind of, it was a bit of a weird one. How yeah. I understand why they would say that because, yeah, if it made you bigger. Obviously, that's not good for an endurance athlete who wants to run a marathon. You want to be light, yeah. don't you? You don't want to be heavy. Um, if we look at kind of what the overall theme of this paper really is, it, it does seem that well, it's all, we, we know one thing: creatine supplementation is beneficial for sports that include high-intensity bursts. Right? That, yeah. That's that's important. Very short-lived um, periods. Yeah, of short-lived. Bursts. But they also go on to talk about things like multiple surges or finishing end spurts, and they've given some examples. But obviously, it's not this is not exclusive to these examples. And that is cross-country skiing, mountain biking, team sports, swimming, rowing, triathlon, and cycling. Ba- basically, what <clears throat> what we're trying to Gat is it, it probably won't help you with your performance output if you were to do I don't know if you did a ten mile run it's not suddenly going to increase your split let's your say if overall doing, pace yeah your overall pace yeah so you're not going to suddenly go from a seven minute mile for ten miles to a six minute mile however however overtaking surges yeah Johnny. overtaking surges or yeah John, why Johnny <laughs> first name that came into my head Johnny. or if you've got to do that final push to the finishing line this is where they're thinking for an endurance athlete so an actual someone competing could be beneficial if you've got to overtake Johnny for example having creatine in your system could allow you to have that quick quick spurt to be able to overtake or if you've got to do that final 200 meter sprint to finish the race it might be able to help you out like if you was having a leisurely jog Hmm. around your local park and suddenly a nearby pedestrian's rottweiler slipped off their lead mm-hmm. it might give you that quick burst to quickly 
get to a tree and climb it. Can rock climbers climb what? trees? If so, you're like fucked. It's like athletes. That's just like a random life thing. That's like, <laughs> well, well, no, it, it doesn't mean that you know. All of a sudden, you'll be able to run really fast away from the park. It might just give you that little extra boost to get to a tree. So what you're saying, Tom, is that everybody in the nation should be taking it in case of a Rottweiler attack. Just to be in fair, case. you know, those attacks are on the increase. <laughs> are they? <laughs> yeah. I, don't, well, I think so. I'm assuming it. Yeah. As I said, right. we're a mixture of pseudoscience and real science. We're not... Just Blowing disclaimer, the lines that's, between not, the that's not true. Disclaimer, that's not true. Please it don't. Is, it's in the Listen, show notes. No, no, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Little shit out. Harmless gaslighting. Harmless Another gaslighting. Another thing I'm adding right. to the podcast. <laughs> gaslighting, Frequent yeah. gaslighting. But no, like in, in all seriously, it, it's basically it, it might give you the opportunity to have those short bursts where you mm. can quickly change your pace, your speed mm-hmm. to overtake, etc. But it's not something where it's going to affect the whole run, if that makes sense. Cool. Well, I think we should look at the limitations as well, though, because while they've mentioned all this stuff, there's not like the data on it is not like conclusive that you are going to suddenly have a great end spurt because they've said that basically what they've said is that the research they've done warrants. Um, further research to confirm whether or not it can enhance things like, for example, the finishing end spurt in other sports beyond swimming because the data they looked at was on swimming. So they need to confirm that on running, you know, mountain biking, cross-country skin, all that other stuff they mentioned. They need to confirm that. dogs then. Yeah, not, yeah, I don't think that's included, mate. Mm. But yeah, so there needs there needs to be more research to see that further. Um, and they also need to see whether creatine supplementation can enhance in-race changes in paces or surges because once again, a lot of it is they're just looking at the mechanisms behind creatine and why it would make sense for it to help endurance athletes. What they probably need to do now is... Is actually put it into actual, pra- yeah. well, actual testing. Yeah, actual testing. So they probably need to get some athletes, people who aren't on creatine at all, people who aren't, and get them to do, I don't know, a surge or something, uh, you know, and see if it actually makes a difference. Creatine is one of those things where I think it would just benefit everyone in general. Yeah, we've mentioned this loads of times, Tom. I think everyone should probably be having a go at it, getting it stuck but in. But I'm probably not going to be taking it with, uh, you know, endurance sport in mind. No. You know? I, I still I wouldn't say, oh, if you're doing endurance, don't take it. Mm. You know, I'd still take it. I'd, I'd say, go, look, go go and listen to the, the episode we did on it. It was chatshitgetfit.com slash creatine, where we did like a part of our supplement series where we went right into it. And you'll hear all the plethora of reasons why you might want to take it regardless of what you're doing. Um, it's a cheap supplement. It's heavily researched. Um, you don't need to have them that much a day, really. Yeah. Um, and you know, as long as you respond well to it, because obviously not everyone's going to respond well to every supplement, but as long as you respond well to it, it's a, it's a no-brainer, really. Yeah. But in terms of endurance, this paper's come out. It's shown some... You know, made some interesting points. Maybe we'll see that. I'm hoping we do see that a paper. Maybe comparing creatine supplement and athletes and non-creatine supplement athletes in a race. People running see. from Rottweilers. Yeah, <laughs> so you can overtake Johnny the quickest. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny's the dog, by the way. That's the Rottweiler. Oh, is that what it is? Oh, plot twist. Fucking all right. I'm changing it. Yeah. I'm altering the deal. <laughs> altering the deal. <laughs> Pray I do not alter it further. Another Star Wars reference. He's on fire today. I know. So, how long have we been going for here? It's not coming five up on the screen. Par six, I don't know. Five par six. Another <laughs> Star Wars reference. Like, yeah. Oh, you're on Right, anyway. Let's move on to the final piece of news then. Daily steps for sarcopenia. So we spoke about both of these topics before. We've spoken about steps and we've spoken about sarcopenia. Probably best if we give you a recap on that because it might be an alien term to you. So it's so basically... what are steps? Well, <laughs> well I wasn't talking about your fucking shit house. Right. Pipe down, I'm going to beat you in a minute. Fucking shit house. Right, so sarcopenia, not fucking steps. Um, 
you'd probably say it's most commonly defined it's, it's an age-related loss in skeletal muscle basically um, and it's normally associated with a detriment it's a detriment to your quality of life right so yeah uh, if you allow it to take full grasp of your life when you get to you know very old if it's really taking effect then yeah your quality of life can be very poor and the, the terminology we normally use when we talk about this is use it or lose it so we yeah. normally give the advice of get resistance training, you know, go lift some weights, do some squats, deadlifts, whatever, increase your protein intake alongside that. And you can mitigate sarcopenia to where it's, you know, negligible. You're not really going to notice it and you can have a good quality of life. But today, ladies and gentlemen, could going for a walk be enough? Do you even have to step into a gym? Because you might not like the gym. You might not want to go do some squats. You might not want to keep smashing loads of protein. Mm. Maybe you want to go for a walk though. So let's have a look at the data then, shall we, Tom? <laughs> If we, if we look at the, you know, we'll look at the data in general for steps because I feel like you should know the whole picture in case you've not heard us before. And that is, there's been lots of data talking about how doing more steps can improve health markers, right? I mean, there was even a recent, a pretty fairly recent one, I'd say. It was daily step count and all-cause mortality, yeah. a dose-response meta-analysis of prospective cohort studies. And that, that showed that even a small amount of steps, so an increase of just 1,000 a day, decreases your risk of mortality from all causes and cardiovascular disease. I believe, didn't they also conclude that like 7,500 steps a day was kind of like the the, the, yeah, the biggest impact, yeah. which pretty Quite much to this one. lines up with this, yeah. this stuff. About, yeah, which we're about to get, yeah, sure. Because, yeah, so cause when we spoke about this, guys, it was uh, the whole 10,000 steps thing. We're basically saying that, well, that's a nice round number. You don't really have to do that much to get the majority of the benefit. And as this one's suggesting, just that 1,000 increase a day, which is not a lot really, 1,000, can reduce your risk of mortality from all causes and cardiovascular yeah. disease. Okay, But if we look at our muscle, because that's what this section is about, sarcopenia, muscle loss, we've got a brand new study literally out this month. So May 23. Wow, it is fucking exciting. This is super recent. You know, I'm literally on the edge of my seat with excitement. Fucking hell. It's like science watch, isn't it? We're literally like in the bushes waiting for science papers to come out. <laughs> yeah, no. As they leave the lab, like pounce over, give you a fucking briefcase. You like like traffic wardens <laughs> hiding in the shop window. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just waiting. <laughs> so this paper is dose-response relationship between daily step count and prevalence of sarcopenia, a cross-sectional study. Background, actually. So previously, there only be one study on this. And it has 175 participants. And that was on the dose response between steps and sarcopenia. Um, however, with that paper, they only used skeletal muscle mass levels as an indication for sarcopenia. Mm. However, this new paper, so this one that we, you know, hid in a bush and discovered, <laughs> this included 7,949 participants. Um, and I'll get, they are, I'll read this up, it's quite funny. They are defined as community dwelling, middle-aged and older adults aged 45 to 74 from Japan. I love that terminology, community dwelling. What does that even fucking mean? Just like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, they just said, look, they were Japanese. Yeah, just middle aged, no, so, middle aged yeah. or older adults from Japan, forty five or like that. Community dwelling. Yeah. Maybe there's some specific Japanese context we're unaware of. Maybe they've got different dwellings. <laughs> I, I know. Maybe we'll be really. I'm naive. unaware of where else they would be dwelling, but okay. Well, no, I did. I did when I read, read that. I did think, oh, maybe they meant like a like in a home or. Well, they've no, got 7,949 people in a fucking house. It's a big home. <laughs> Massive home, yeah. But then I thought, maybe not. <laughs> maybe it's an underground shelter. Legacy. Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> yeah, did you get on that I'm there? not... I, I, I did. I'm not going there. You're not going... I, I, no I, amount I, of I pulled, steps... I, I put the bait no, in there. No amount of steps are going to fucking, <laughs> you know, bait. stop the effects of radiation. <laughs> 
God, <laughs> there he is. Anyway, anyway, right, moving on from um, Fallout. So this paper also, so this is the new paper I'm talking about now. This one also used hand grip strength. Now, this is really important. You might be thinking what the fuck yeah. was that about, but it's because muscle function should be really used as a measurement for sarcopenia because if we look at the data it has suggested that muscle strength is more strongly associated with poor health outcomes than muscle mass so basically it doesn't matter if like if you've got massive arms if you can't lift up i mean if you can't lift up i don't know a box even simple things like uh, as you get older you've got to think about like opening cupboards opening the fridge uh, what about when you go to fall or what do you tend to what do the elderly tend to do when they're struggling to walk or balance mm-hmm. they will hold on to things yeah. so actually grip strength is a really good determinant. yeah that's what that's what's really important so obviously muscle mass and strength there are you know there's some crossovers in there but the fact that this paper included both is really important so like i said that the previous study that looked at this was on less participants and only included the skeletal mass level uh, mass levels whereas this one now has hand grip strength as well if I give you what this paper actually did, so daily step counts were measured for 10 days using a waist-mounted uh, accelerometer uh, to examine the association between daily step count and sarcopenia, a multivariate, variate, yeah, multivariate, yeah, logistic regression analysis was performed. Sounds very exciting, doesn't it? Adjusting for potential confounding factors such as age, sex, body mass index, smoking status, alcohol consumption, protein intake, and medical history. Basically, they used a lot of fucking science <laughs> to fucking basically adjust to for potential um, confounding factors, right? So they cover a lot of bases basically because we're all different, aren't we? You know, so there's going to be different factors which are yeah. which take into effect how our muscles deteriorate. Okay, um, and there are loads of exciting charts in this full paper, which uh, of course, if you want to have a look at, it will be linked down below. Very exciting yeah. indeed. Um, but essentially, this study found there was a significant inverse association between daily step count and the prevalence of sarcopenia. But what's more important was this association plateaued when the daily step count exceeded approximately 8,000 steps. Mm. So close to what you said earlier, Tom, about the 7,500 yeah. on the uh, mortality rate in cardiovascular disease. This was around that same number when it plateaued. Doesn't, doesn't mean it stops. It's not like a fucking roadblock. It doesn't mean if you do 8,001 yeah, steps. There's no, no benefit more whatsoever. Ben- yeah. It's just that that seems to be the most dramatic effect there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you look at the charts, same with the other paper we mentioned earlier, you see it's more of a steep incline of like benefit, and then obviously it starts to drop off a bit and then we get very marginal gains after that. So if you can, if you want to do more, go for it by all means. Yeah. But don't feel like you have to do more um, or all hope is lost. I mean, one of the like, limitations of this is that obviously with this particular study, it was on one population, which yeah, was the Japanese. Japanese yeah. mm. However... And community, community once, dwelling. They were community uh, dwelling. And, well. and community dwelling as well. Um, to be fair, as, as silly as it may sound, it can that make a difference. It can make a difference. Exactly. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Your environment can dictate you know, your yeah. health. Radiation does mad things, yeah. Exactly. That as well. <laughs> you know, Jesus Christ. We could uh, take some samples from Bikini Atoll and try and cross-reference it there. But yeah, I mean, moving on from that terrible, terrible subject, you know. I'm looking forward to Oppenheimer, by the way. Yeah, it's going to be a good film, actually. Yeah, yeah I reckon that's going to be good, actually. going to yeah. go see that, and I'll go and see Barbie afterwards. Have a good old weekend to be oh, seen. Barbie, Barbie looks fucking brilliant. Oh, fuck it. Listen, anything Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling literally me, you know. He is literally the best. I yeah. oh, fucking think he's brilliant. Um, anyway, he should have swapped the roles over. He needs to go in Star Wars, doesn't he? We need to get him in Star Wars. Yeah. I was going to say, he should have had Ryan Gosling as Oppenheimer. And Cillian Murphy as a... Killian Murphy. No, nah, that wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. Well, you're an Irishman. You said it's Killian. Killian? Oh, Cillian. You're an Irishman as well, you little fucker. How Cillian. You? It's Killian. <laughs> Not right. going to do my RA voice. 
<laughs> what's it like a rave boy so why have you said that before <laughs> like a rave boy yeah. god this episode's no, getting um, control right back to steps what was I talking about oh that's it but yeah. so I was saying how it was a limiting factor right but um, when we kind of cross-referenced that with the previous evidence we've had in regards to the effect of steps on health actually it kind of lines up with this whole 8,000 steps still which is good because um, we've spoken before about how like one of the go-to numbers for oh go get active is just oh go do just go do ten thousand steps, which ironically is a number that came from Japan. Funny enough, yeah, the watch wasn't it? Yeah, yeah first, ironically, really. but it shows you that actually now you can still. Imp- oh, once again, you know, kind of how you said oh it doesn't just end up like a roadblock if you go over eight thousand steps. Same thing going the other way as well. You can still do less than eight thousand steps and have some very important benefits you know, to mitigate sarcopenia. But, you know, it does go to show that actually 8,000 steps is pretty doable. It is, the things as well, like, and I feel like I'm generalising here, but what do the elderly kind of like to do, you know, when they are retired? Sit around and do like to go. For, well, I was going to say actually go for walks, oh, right. etc. <laughs> we kind of uh, want to encourage them to do. So it shows that, okay, it's going to be quite difficult to try and get the older population into the gym resistance training. Yeah, that's not saying some of them don't because it's some not of them common. Let's be do. honest. If you, look in, if you look in most gyms up and down the country, it's, very, you've, it's a very small population of the gym is an elderly population. So it'd be great to get them in there. You know, but as you said, you don't go for a walk in the park. But a walk in the park, yeah, happy days. Yeah. Do you see what I mean though? Yeah, yeah. So we've, we've actually met, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a low barrier option. It's a low barrier option to it many is. now, which is really, it's a really positive message actually is that look, we've mentioned, because I, I'm fully aware we've mentioned, when we mentioned the sarcopenia before, we said, just go do some resistance training, increase your protein, but that's not achievable for everyone. Some people don't want to do that exactly. and some people don't want to be smashing 15 chicken breasts for fucking breakfast. You know, they don't want to be doing that. Especially when you're old and your you know, appetite just tends to, tends to yeah, deteriorate sure. so if we can if we can now give you this message look do some steps and that will reduce your chances uh reduce the yeah. uh think uh, the effects with uh sarcopenia then for sure great and what's good is that we do have actual you know takeaways and applications now in the sense of like well, what dose well how many steps what should i actually be doing because anything exercise related whether it be running whether it be weight training whether it be walking or aerobic dose. activity one of the common questions i get is so how, how much, much should I be doing? Yeah, how much? What should I be doing? When it's weight training, it's like, well, how many sets should I be doing? How many times a week should I do it? How many reps, etc. The good thing is we are starting to get more information on the dosages depending on what you're actually trying to get out of it, what you're trying to benefit. So we do have a dosage for sarcopenia in regards to how many steps you should be doing. And as we said, it isn't just a roadblock going both ways. You can do more than 8,000. You can actually do less than 8,000. You yep. can see the graph where the line slides down as uh, it tends to mitigate the effects of sarcopenia. Yeah. But we have got a nice number here, 8,000, which seems to be, that is a great number to aim for. That's where you're going to get the most dramatic effect for most people. I don't, I don't want to be the pessimist, but all I will say is that they have stated, however, that further intervention and longitudinal studies are needed to validate the results. Okay, so... Do you know what you can do in the meantime? Do some steps. Do some steps. <laughs> yeah, do some steps in the meantime. I just want to say that, just in case someone goes, well, is that actually 100% confirmed? Is that the magic now? Yeah, as far as we're concerned, yeah, obviously, you know, science is an ever-changing thing, but yeah. yeah. So far, if we even if we look at the, the other data on other outcomes, steps, you know, if you want to get a low barrier activity in there. And once again... If you don't want to go outside and do it, maybe it's the not suitable for you to do so or the weather's not great, whatever, you can still do it on a treadmill. 
go a little walk. We live on Bill Street with whatever the fuck. <laughs> yeah, going live on, on my there. street. Fucking <laughs> gunships flying overhead. <laughs> okay. You might have to get uh, <laughs> you might have to get your eight thousand steps just walking down your garden back and forth. I've already started, I've already started packing my bergen. <laughs> Kicking off, like that, mate. Um, okay, now. But basically, to conclude that bit, is it's a low barrier option. I personally would still recommend a combination of both because, as oh, I said yeah. earlier, muscle strength is probably more strongly associated with poor health outcomes than muscle mass, right? Um, if we want to get stronger, obviously we need to push ourselves in terms of resistance training esque. So I would still try and get it, doesn't have to be at a gym, by the way. You can get yourself some dumbbells, get yourself a kettlebell, whatever, you know. It, yeah. Resistance training doesn't have to be in a gym setting. You can just, you know, any sort of resistance will do, yeah. right? Um, while the steps are going to help prevent sarcopenia, being stronger as we get older, I think, you know, to provide a better quality of life is still recommended. So combination of both. Being either an or no, but it's a good place to start. Get out there, do some steps, um, and hopefully you live on to have a prosper. I was going to do long and prosper. That's fucking Star Trek, isn't it? <laughs> that is your fucker. Oh, that's it. That's <laughs> it. What a dick move. <laughs> thought I know. Yeah, start triggering or <laughs> oh, live long and prosper. <laughs> God, it's all right. I was going to say they're basically the same thing, but then I was worried that I was going to get done through the window. <laughs> Short burst. Bloody hell, I know. God, I, I, fucking hell, mate. It, it's gone a bit quiet, to be fair. Have you yeah, checked if any bodies outside? Yeah, I don't know. Has anyone actually, screamed at Endex? Or <laughs> rewind back to Star Trek. I was having this conversation with my dad actually about this then, about we you talking about the difference between Star Wars. Can you say that now that they're kicking off again? Okay, that is super weird because it's not happened for ages as soon yeah, as no, I said that. It. Yeah, that is fucking strange. I reckon they're listening in, mate. I just want to clarify, I've got nothing to do with whatever's going on. No. Now, Tom's not said the fair fucking hit squad after me. That was only a joke when I said I was going to swat you for a laugh. I'm actually joking. I'm going to go for a walk after this. I'm actually going to have a look at see what's going on. Yeah, wear some body armour. Mate, it's actually shaking my fucking desk. <laughs> it's getting closer. Are the they bracketing you? That does sound belt-fed. They've just taken out the entire of West Norfolk. They've just it lined take up. Long. It wouldn't take long, yeah. What the fuck are they doing? It's get it's changing in pitch. Getting, it's getting louder. But literally, my my fucking building's shaking. I'm waiting for a break so we can. Uh... I've got to even say now. Also, I was talking about Star Trek and Star Wars differences. Wait, normally this is the, this, what that the was the longest one I'm for there. That one I'm for ages. Normally it's a lot shorter burst. Gonna... That, was, that, that was suppressive fire, mate. That was that was like burn out the barrel. Right, go, go, go. Right, anyway, as I was saying, there's a conversation with my dad about the Star Trek and Star Wars. We were saying how Star Wars, if you look at what it was aimed at when it first came out, it was more kids, and Star Trek was more adult. I might upset some people, but I think that's a fair fair look at it. If you look at Star Trek historically, it's a little bit more serious, a little bit more. It wasn't as, I don't know, it wasn't as childlike, childish little creatures and stuff. I think Star Trek is fucking boring. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like it's not as, <laughs> it's not as, fun. It's not as fun, is it? I don't think it's as fun. My mother-in-law would kill me for saying that, but yeah. <laughs> we probably just start an absolute thing. If you're listening, guys, what's your what's your opinion? Let us know. Send us a message. I'd love to know your thoughts. I mean, the good thing is, is my my eldest son is really into Star Wars now, and it's good because it's the end of it's his birthday at the end of this month, and uh, just I'm gonna buy him. I'm gonna buy him one of those. Why is, uh, why is those big, him? Those big Gucci lightsabers that light up and do the sound effects. Oh yeah, the good ones. Yeah, yeah. But it's for you him, definitely not for me. Yeah, oh, I know, I know, I know what you're emphasizing. <laughs> him. When you get two, then you can have battles. He was like, uh, I want to get a red one. I'm like, why don't you get a green one? That's daddy's favorite t- color. <laughs> <laughs> why don't you get two? Why don't you get two? 
Okay, mate, they're like a hundred quid each. More. Oh, all right. Yeah, fucking hell, mate. They're yeah, but that lasts for years. Like that. You, can, you can keep playing. You ain't got to stop when you like. He's... It's all right. I'll get an off-brand Amazon one. It's fine. <laughs> It'll say Star Trek on the side of it. <laughs> oh no, Star Trek. I love that. Yeah. Um, anyway, right. Um, I think that's all the news this week, guys. Um, I'm probably gonna have to go soon because I'm probably about to get raided. Uh, yeah, sound, I'll, but... I'll start packing up. Yeah, I'm gonna start packing up. I've, I've gone fucking bug out. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Jesus. <laughs> Um, anyway, that's uh, that's all the news this week, guys. What we are going to do, though, quickly, is we're going to do the Patreon plug at the end. You probably thought, hang on, they haven't mentioned Patreon yet. That's very unusual for these guys. They love fucking sticking that out the plug in there. I thought, let's do it at the end. Let's throw a curveball in there. So, Jenny, Colleen, how the fuck are you doing? Hope you're well. This might be the last time you hear from me, because I'm probably, as I said, going to get fucked up. Mm. But yeah, hope you're doing well. Hope everyone else is doing well, all the patrons. Guys, if you are not aware of what we're talking about, if you are new here, Patreon is a support network, essentially, for creators. So me and Tom, who create the podcast, people can support us. Creators, criminals, other people that might need uh, money laundering, etc. Right, we're not getting that much, mate. <laughs> laundering much money. I know. <laughs> yeah, Might no, launder a coffee out of it. <laughs> To to share, <laughs> you help us support the running cost of the podcast because obviously podcasts aren't free to run, so that helps us with that. Um, and it also just you know it's nice to see guys that you actually do like what we put out there that are enough to put your hand in your pocket. It's actually a very nice motivational thing for us, uh, for being honest. Um, but we do give you some stuff back as well. It's not just you saying you know here you go, basically sponsoring a podcast every single week. We get extra video footage, so you essentially get like a mini video podcast with stuff that you will not hear on this podcast. So there'll be bits that we've cut out that we'll throw into a video format, put it on Patreon for you to have a little laugh at, as well as before and after chit chat as well. So it's quite Our exciting. current patrons don't know this either, but another benefit they get is once a month when they're right. sleeping, I travel <laughs> to them, I climb in for their window, and I make sure they're tucked in. Oh, that's a lovely they disappear touch. again, like dust wow. in the wind. Is that just in the entries here as well? Is that not even like the special producers? Is that the, does everyone get that? L- n- not just a patron's bill, but uh, if you've ever wondered why your feet have never been cold at night in the past few years, oh, okay. you have me to thank. Everyone who listens to the podcast. If you ever wonder why those plug switches in the back are turned off when you wake up in the morning. <laughs> it's got an image that's of me and my OCD. <laughs> that's terrifying. Joe, Joe, I do that at the gym as well. Like, it's got what? fuck all to do with me. Like, it's, it's the cleaners that use the plug sockets. I n- we have no need for plug sockets oh, in yeah. the gym but apart from the treadmills. What, how does that make you feel? It, it really uncomfortable. And it's the same at the gym as well. When the cleaners use the Henry now? Hoover... Yeah, that's just taking the piss. Admittedly, you've reduced the risk of a house fire by 50% by doing <laughs> 50%. one of them. 50%? But, uh, there you go. Yeah, that's much better. I can no, sleep I at night it. now. I like to watch the world burn. That's <laughs> all right. I'll do it later on tonight. Oh, yeah. You know that you know that noise was, Tom? That was you digging a tunnel. That, that's, no, that's, <laughs> that's, that's me making a big, long tunnel to yeah, yeah, under tunnel the, into my gaff, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> fuck's sake but yeah if you want to if you want to see more of that shit because that's basically what the videos are like um, we put we put, it, uh, we put it on Patreon as well as the podcast normally does go on there early as well so if you ever do get bored over a weekend and you think oh you know what I can't wait till Monday I want to hear what these guys have got to say um, then yeah you can listen to it there as well um, you can also send us messages on there and we reply pretty quick on the producer tier which is where Jenny and Clean are and you also get a video a personal video which is very exciting um, it's just me and Tom being dicks, basically, for like five minutes, just trying to say thank you in numerous different ways. I feel like the next person who signed the producer tier, what we'll try and do, Tom, is we'll try and say thank you in loads of different languages. Well, I'll tell you on. what, by the end of the month, I might have my, my new lightsaber, well, not my lightsaber, 
Oh, then we can bring that out. Can't wave it your, around. Your sons. Yeah, you can wave it. Yeah, so, I mean, the next person who signs up the producer tier is going to get a fucking wild video. That's all I'm saying. You're going to get a sick... Oh, imagine that with your with your editing skills. <gasps> it's me in my garden. Doing <laughs> oh, please, a couple of swings. That. <laughs> that is 100% happening. Right, next person who signs up what producer tier is getting think? that. <laughs> Fantastic. It's booked in. Booked in, guys. Um, <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> right. Um, we'll leave it there. It's uh, been a pleasure as always, and we will see you next week, same time, same place. May the ball get- be with you. Wait, <laughs> what the fuck did you spell your mouth? A Jakeman's. Oh, you and your fucking Jakeman's. You've got a problem, mate. Always got to suck in on a Jakeman's. Oh. Listen, I could quit whenever I want to. I just don't want to. Recreational years. I'll do the outro again, guys. It's been a pleasure as always, and we will see you next week. Same time, same place, but with a guest. Oh, very exciting. For some more The Fitness News. See you soon. Bye. What was that? Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. The, the, the suite has changed a bit. Oh my God, now it's not Joe Pasquale. <laughs> well, I can't fucking do it. <laughs> <laughs>